Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. Hello, and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com, and we are welcoming back the fabulous Harper W. Harris from The Thing Minute. Hey, y'all. Hey, hey. <laughs> Yay! So today's episode, we are covering minute 17 of the movie The Cabin in the Woods, and this is going to be all about two-way mirrors and to peep or not to peep. <laughs> So this is a continuation of Minute 16, where we are dealing with uh, Holden, who is watching Dana through a two-way mirror, and Dana is uh, not knowing it's a two-way mirror yet. And we kind of start this minute, minute off, and she looks a little sad in the mirror, actually. She has a little, you know, she kind of shifts from an alone moment of you know, doing a little bit of primping and then she, you know, kind of stops and looks a little, a little bit sad, but Holden is enjoying watching from his vantage point. Yeah. She's definitely got that. Like the the first, at least the first like third of the movie where the whole thing with the professor is still like, uh, um, something that we care about. And that's actually like referenced in the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, you definitely get the feel that, you know, she's like, Ugh, like, why did I go on this trip? I'm not ready for this kind of thing. And um, yeah, it's nice that that, that kind of comes across just just through a look. That's a nice performance piece there. Yeah. And it definitely gives uh, Holden something to react to as well. Yeah, there's a little bit of complexity there with her. You're right. She's coming off of, you know, well, basically kind of a rough breakup. So it isn't the full on I'm going to primp and, and I'm going to land this dude it's still like, I'm just, I'm not really sure what I'm doing kind of a feeling when we start out. I know that you and I both did a little bit of research on two-way mirrors for this, or one-way mirrors as they're also known. So I was kind of curious what you had run into in your travels. Well, it's funny that you say that because I did not realize that two-way mirrors and one-way mirrors meant the same thing, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> another, another piece of the English language that makes absolutely no sense. But no, I guess the main thing I was really trying to look into and not having as much success as I thought I would is that, you know, obviously a lot of stuff in this movie is built around, you know, horror tropes. Um, that's kind of like the whole deal. Right. And I feel like this two way mirror gag or at least like looking through a peephole or something is is, you know, a, a trope, like something I've seen a million times. But as I was starting to try and look into it, I had a really hard time finding like solid examples that kind of parallel this one or felt like felt like this one was kind of parodying or, or um, you know, an homage of. And uh, the only stuff I could really find or think about that um, that were kind of similar. Um, obviously, there's the peeping scene from Psycho, which is not a two way mirror, but it's, you know, where he's kind of peering through the uh, through the little peephole to get the, that awesome shot. We can kind of see the light coming in on his eye and everything. And, you know, obviously that's a, that's a pretty, an older one, a kind of a classic. And then there's the, it's not a two-way mirror, but it's kind of a similar gag in um, Evil Dead 2, which obviously, you know, this, this movie owes a lot to the Evil Dead franchise. <laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, but yeah, the whole scene in Evil Dead 2 where he's like, where Ash sees himself in the mirror and is like kind of moving to see that it's just a reflection. And then suddenly it's the evil version of himself that like reaches through. Like it's not a, it's not a mirror. It's just an empty space. Which is kind of a two-way mirror gag, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, the only thing—the only thing I could think of off the top of my head—and it's, uh, 
it's only counts because it's a two-way mirror, <laughs> but it's not really the same kind of gag. Is um, I don't know how, how big of a gamers you guys are, but when I was growing up, I used to play the Resident Evil games a lot with uh, with my friends. And uh, I always remember very vividly, there's this part in, uh, in Resident Evil 2 where you're, you're in a police station and you're exploring through this interrogation room and then all of a sudden uh, one of the monsters jumps through the mirror and it's like the scariest thing in the entire game because there's just nothing to clue you in that it's, it could possibly happen. I remember like jumping out of my skin when that happened. <laughs> That's a hard game, dude. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play it very much. I mostly sat and watched my cousin play it because <laughs> I, I totally could not handle it. I treated it like a movie. <laughs> Yeah, and I think um, I, I know I later on we'll be going hardcore into, you know, checking out all the monsters and creatures oh, yeah. and what they were inspired by. But I know at least a few of them are are inspired by some games. And even um, there was uh, before the first company that they were working with went bankrupt, they were actually going to be collaborating on a on a, a game and I'll, I'll know more details. Like I said, I, I didn't really do the research for this minute, but, but I know there there's some game adjacent related stuff with this movie. So I think that's definitely in the, the same world and realm. So yeah, those are all really good examples and nothing really comes to mind to me either. Like, like, yeah, it seems Weird, like right? something I think more, <laughs> I think more of how people see somebody else, you know, like, <laughs> like in face off, you know, in face off where they're like seeing each other, but it's not a two way mirror, you know, but just they're both of the guys, you know, facing off with each other. And I guess at a certain point, the the movie face off, they were supposed to actually end up in like a mirror factory or something crazy <laughs> like that to add even Very extra subtle. faces. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing that they actually pulled that back and were subtle in, in any spots. Or... <laughs> You know, or I think of um, Michael McKean in uh, one of the later seasons of the X-Files where he and uh, oh, yeah. David Duchovny, there's a little, but again, it's not, it, it's just a mirror thing, you know, where they're like mirroring each other and kind of doing a dance and it's sort of silly. But yeah, I think of those or uh, Black Swan Blade has Runner? a lot of that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. I was oh, thinking about right. Blade Runner. But yeah, I've never seen Black Swan. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I was kind of thinking about the movie The Shadow. I don't know if you guys are fans at all, but it's uh, Alec Baldwin. It's probably 20 some odd years old. Um, Penelope Ann Miller is in it. But the, not to ruin it for you, but there's a huge face off between Alec Baldwin, who's the shadow and the main antagonist. And they end up going into kind of like a hall of mirrors and the mirrors just like explode. So it, it's about, again, reflections, the, the evil inside, which is the whole deal with the, the shadow. But yeah, it's, it's looking at that kind of like evil dead. Um, is this me? Is this not me? This is, you know, a part of me, but it's being reflected back to me. So you did some research, research, Molly, like on the origin of the mirrors themselves or the one way slash two way mirror. Yeah, I was kind of curious about how they worked because I couldn't figure out, you know, how what the mechanics of the reflection. So basically, they're not super different than regular mirrors, but um, the two way or one way mirrors are composed of a piece of glass 
and it's there's a, a layer of metal, usually aluminum, that covers it. So basically, when light passes through the glass and hits the metal, it's reflected, which is why, you know, you see yourself in it, you know, typically. But with a two-way mirror, it uses a lot less of the metal coating. So essentially, what you want to have happen is there needs to be one room that's substantially brighter than the other room in order for it to work appropriately. If you want to look through it, you need to be in the darker side or the pervert side of the mirror. Right. (laughs) And then the person... (laughs) You want someone um, that you want to look at to be in the brighter side, which is why we have that, I guess, that trope of the interrogation room and the really, really bright, hot light on the suspect. So that room always has to be much brighter. So around 50% of the light, depending on the, I guess, the amount of coating is used is reflected by a two-way mirror and allows people to only see their reflecting in the brighter room. So some of the light from the brighter room can travel through the mirror, enabling the people in the darker room, i.e. the pervert side, to see through it. And so it's also these types of mirrors are used for, you know, security, privacy, infinity mirrors, optical illusions, hidden televisions, smart mirrors, and then teleprompters. You know, that makes me think of, again, not exactly an example is popping into my head, but there definitely is that we've all seen those interrogations ad nauseum. And I know there's been some fun, clever stuff done with that. So, you know, where where the person is talking to the perp and then the perp like you know runs over and starts talking to the mirror or they just turn their head slowly and start talking to you know maybe our hero on the other side or something um so that would be something maybe our uh maybe people in our gabin in the woods facebook group or on twitter can remind us of some of those (laughs) some of those um you know that really stand out in a movie or an episode or something where people are are being interrogated in that in that bright room and then do something a little unexpected or creepy or something like that that that'd be cool to kind of get a list going of that yeah, I think this is a really effective use of voyeurism because horror movies really are kind of inherently voyeuristic because we have, as an audience member, this vantage point of watching this hyperviolence go down. We have this, I guess, quote unquote, privileged position, you know, like you had mentioned, Harper, about, you know, looking through the keyhole and that, you know, voyeuristic sense of I'm outside, but I'm, you know, watching the shower and, and this is hey, you know, this is a really weird place for this to show up. But this is, again, that voyeuristic element of like, if the violence of the painting doesn't do it for you, maybe the sex will, because that's on the other side. Mm, Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right that most, in general, most horror movies are super voyeuristic, especially like slashers and and stuff like that. But just the fact that we, in 95% of horror movies, we know more about what's about to happen to the the protagonist than they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this movie, that goes, you know, tenfold. And uh, yeah, so I think that definitely, you know, kind of sets that up. But it also is a, uh, I, I think that's a nice way to kind of tie the sex and violence together. You're right, that it was like the violence of the painting. And then that exact same square on the wall now is like a portal into the realm of sex instead of violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also brings up, um, I went over to uh, Reddit and just kind of looked at different theories that people had on why this painting is here and, you know, what the purpose of this little scene is. And one of the more interesting ideas was just to, rem- just this reminder of like, oh, yeah, this is all for 
the ancient ones, you know, and, and we here, we are the audience. So we're the ancient ones. We're representing the ancient ones represent us, but the ancient ones get this show, you know, they get, so it's going to change up maybe, you know, maybe um, in one scenario, Holden would have liked the artwork and kept it up or just thrown the blanket over it and not removed it. Or, you know, so this is just, um, this is one variant of this, um, you know, exciting show that's being put on for the the ancient ones. Yeah. And I was thinking too, about kind of the purpose of it and, and, you know, kind of looking around online at what some other people say. And the other one that I thought, the other kind of theory that I thought was really interesting was that this was maybe, well, two things that this was maybe a holdover from like, a previous version of this whole setup where they before like they had surveillance cameras like somebody would physically have to be up here watching them through these mirrors mm. um so like the what what do they call the controllers or right um, so th- they would you know before they got up very high tech you know they'd have to be up here uh, physically you know on the other side of the wall watching and making sure that things were going down the way they were supposed to which that kind of makes me really want like a, a a prequel to this movie that takes place in like you know the pre-computer days or, or maybe even early like yeah. in the 80s or something <laughs> like just totally. to see how see how this happened like you know before they had quite as much uh, tech as they do in this one but i thought that was kind of interesting um, yeah, no, I love that. That's that is really interesting. Uh, and then the other thing that I thought is makes makes a lot of sense is just that it's one it's something that they're meant to discover that will push them to uh, be a little more curious about the cabin and kind of explore it further. Just like another thing to kind of push them towards that uh, that cellar and getting them to actually you know choose their their doom, um, and we, which kind of happens. Um, you know, in the actually later in this minute where they, you know, kind of decide, hey, yeah, let's look around and see what else is weird. So I think it does kind of serve that purpose, too. Mm, yeah, it's a teaser and it's an invitation. So the one thing I noticed was so as um, in this minute, Holden is sort of wrestling, you know, with his like, hmm, do I keep watching while she <laughs> undresses or am I the good guy? And, you know, it, it, I get it. You know, it's quite provocative. And he's kind of, you know, smiling and laughing and looking a little, you know, like he's blushing a bit. And this is happening. This is <laughs> happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I noticed from from her room is uh and this happens a little bit later um in the in this minute is that there is a soap dish kind of protruding from the wall underneath the mirror on her side and it actually has a a little bar of soap on it and um so there are a couple things that that i was thinking about one of them is just that i was going to read again uh just a little bit about the interior that martin wist writes about in the uh, in the visual companion and so he said on the interior all the rooms within the cabin are truly connected all the going in and out of the doors to the bedrooms that was all one set and he talks a little bit about the cellar but we can save that for when we get to the cellar he said we wanted it to be creepy in the sense of you uh, of you wondered who actually lived here and when 
The space was almost a period piece rather than a contemporary cabin with contemporary furnishings. We tried to keep everything old and original, imagining the Buckner family living there so that all by itself created enough of a creepy quality to it rather than intentionally trying to make it like cobwebby and scary and that kind of thing. So I just thought that was a nice little interesting thing is that, yeah, it's all sort of older pieces here and there nothing's real contemporary as far as like the lighting and the chairs everything's sort of lived in what interested me was that soap dish that's protruding from the wall kind of made me think of what wasn't in those rooms and it seems like and I don't know if you guys have ever stayed at like kind of a bed and breakfast or sort of a Victorian era hotel where they kind of keep things authentic-ish but there's usually that wash basin with the the pitcher the big pitcher and um the the table that's in Holden's room actually looks exactly like one of these tables that you would um keep this wash basin on so on the other side, I think she doesn't have the table, but she has like a remnant of that where there's the soap holder and then the, the bar of soap, which I thought was weird. Like, why would there be a bar of soap? But it also kind of got me thinking about these tropes that we've been playing around with where is she, you know, is she in the beginning of the movie sort of more portrayed as a whore? And if so, then is this like a little nod to the, the whore's bath, which is usually taken with with this uh, water pitcher and and uh, basin. So I just thought it was a weird little detail, this, this soap. I'm like, oh, girl, don't use the soap. <laughs> don't use that soap yeah who knows what kind of weird drugs might be in that soap (laughs) yeah really it was weird i'd never noticed that little soap dish that is such a that's an odd little detail to to leave in like that you're right yeah and i think on it if on his side there wasn't that table it wouldn't have really made sense to me but when i started thinking about all that together like oh yeah i've stayed like my husband and i stayed in deadwood which was really fun on our road trip our honeymoon road trip we got to you know we were really into the mo- the tv show deadwood and we knew it wasn't going to be like that you know <laughs> it was still cool we were in the area um traveling doing our road trip so we decided to stay at this place called deadwood dicks <laughs> and it was very uh you know it was um an old hotel and uh, had that kind of wash basin-y, you know, vintage, you know, lots of crocheted stuff around. And it, it was really fun. It was, it was fun to stay. So it kind of reminded me of staying at a place like that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'd want to stay at a Deadwood, uh, th- well, <laughs> not a Deadwood themed place, but, you know, <laughs> it's a real thing. So that's cool. So, yeah, um, what else were we going to talk about in this minute? I think, Molly, you had some stuff on. We were talking about the fact that Harper was coming on and that you had read somewhere about some of the influences that um, Drew Goddard had when he was thinking about writing writing and directing this film yeah i came across and he had asked he was asked a couple of times and he was doing promotion for cabin in the woods and he was asked what were his 
like favorite horror movies, what were really influential for him. And he had named The Thing and Suspiria and Alien. And I thought that was very interesting since we have Harper on today. And Harper is obviously steeped in The Thing. And that- I like it okay. Is <laughs> <laughs> that <all> right? <laughs> Actually, and and this is kind of a side digression, but I was kind of curious what made you choose the thing. Oh yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I I it was not my first idea for a minute podcast. I um, uh, I was thinking about uh, I guess kind of connected to this movie. I, my original thought was to maybe do Evil Dead and mm. the, to you know tackle all, all three of those, but just the more I was kind of thinking about it, I was I was like, yeah, you know, I'd like to. I I think doing a horror movie would be really interesting and. Um, I was just kind of thinking of my favorite movies and then it kind of dawned on me that how, what a perfect fit the thing was because obviously it's a movie I'm very passionate about, but it's also a movie that like 35 years later still has a lot of like fan discussion going on and a lot of like, you know, theories and, and people just, you know, it's something that, you know, Keith David and, and Kurt Russell get asked at conventions constantly uh, is, you know, what, what their take on the ending of the movie. So it's, you know, it's an iconic piece of horror history and a, and a movie that's that was really important to my uh, cinematic education, I guess. And it was one that just seemed like ripe for argument and discussion and conversation. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, there's so much to. Uh, I got to be on a on a, um, a few minutes with you, and and it was so great to just pop in and just look at those minutes themselves. You know. Uh, when it comes to the music and the lighting and, and been spoken about a lot, just the paranoia. And we were also talking about, which is similar to this movie and, and alien also is that this, you're following this small group. Like we've got the trope here of our gang, you know, our Scooby gang with the stoner and the jock and the intellectual and the, the virgin and the whore. And, and, uh, but it's still just like, our gang of folks that we're kind of along for the ride with. And I know those movies definitely share that. And they're making these decisions that are going to push where this movie ends up. And, and uh, the thing is definitely one of my favorites for, for that reason is that you're just like moving along with them and maybe thinking about what decisions you might make that would be a little different or, you know, that kind of a stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because like we said, I think we talked about it in the uh, the previous minute that or it might have been. No, it wasn't this one about how, you know, most horror movies put you in a voyeuristic uh, perspective and that, you know, more than than uh, the characters do. And actually, in The Thing and Alien, both are, are movies where you really don't like um, and maybe, maybe that's partially what makes them kind of stand out among the pack is that, you know, you don't really know the the trick. You don't know about you know, how the alien works or, or, you know, what Ash really is, or, uh, you know, in, in the thing, you don't even, even after the movie's over, you don't necessarily a hundred percent know how the, how the thing works and, and how, who it took over when. And, you know, there's a lot of those kind of unanswered questions. So it kind of takes you out and puts you in the shoes of the characters. And I think that makes it much more frightening. And it's less of like a, um, you know, Hey, let's just sit down and eat some popcorn and watch these, watch these teenagers get murdered. It's like, <laughs> you know, you're really in their shoes and it's really frightening because of that. Yeah. Even in this one, we're playing with a combination of them. You know, the movie is giving us sort of what we want and expect out of a horror film at the same time. We're also 
not sure what's going on. So even though we are cued in in a way because we get to, you know, visit Sitterson and Hadley and kind of see what's going on on their end, it's still like a reveal, 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 surprise, surprise, surprise as as we move along. So I think there's a little bit of that here, too. It's like you think it's going to be this kind of movie, but guess what? It's going to be a little different. Yeah, it's definitely kind of a best of both worlds. Faux show. Faux show. So, yeah. Um, let's see. And then Suspiria. I know that's one of your favorite movies, too. Oh, yeah. Just got to see it <laughs> in the theater for the second time, actually, um, just last week. Mm, that is awesome. cool. Oh, my God. I've definitely never seen it in a theater. That sounds amazing. So yeah, Beautiful movie. What... Um, and that's one that's on Molly's list because she hasn't seen it yet. So we won't we won't talk about it too much. <laughs> so we'll be leaving her out of the conversation. I kind of skipped forward a bit to, to her room. Is there anything else about this voyeurism part or what comes up a, 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 a few seconds later after we see the, the whore's bath bedroom <laughs> is that Holden makes the decision. Oh, I'm going to let her know that that, you know, to stop disrobing and because i can see what's going on <laughs> and then the whole the whole gang get, gets in on this this creepy reveal i guess the cinematic perspective i really love his going back and forth of like looking away checking again walking off camera and then gliding back into frame is just it's a great shot it's a beautiful shot I really enjoy that a lot. And then, you know, finally just <laughs> the ethics just narrowly win out and he bangs on the wall and she's kind of like, whoa, where's that coming from? And is like, okay, hold up, hold up. I think this is a really, because I'm also a screenwriter. And so one of the things I really, really liked and I've always liked about this particular minute is that this is an efficient cut that you don't go from, you don't spend two, three minutes of all the people being gathered together and say, hey, come check it out. You literally jump from, we're, you know, knocking on the wall to everybody in the room together. And that's a really, I think, a good usage of time. No, I think you're right. It's a smart way to kind of advance their characters and especially Holden, who I don't think, you know, everybody kind of gets their like little 30 seconds or a minute that kind of introduces a little bit about who they are. And for most of them, that happens in like their kind of opening scene at the the apartment or the dorm room. Um, but with Holden, I don't think you really get that there. So this is kind of like almost his kind of introduction, like, oh, OK, he's like you know, he's the really, really decent guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally right. I hadn't even, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Cause we don't get any type of discussion with him at all. This is really the first like true personable introduction we have. Yeah. And it, it definitely sets him up and as you know, it, it is a, it's a funny exchange. Cause I mean, like you said, that shot where he kind of, you know, walks out of frame and then he's like, uh, let me slide back in here. For <laughs> one of the it's more a, little peeky peeks. <laughs> definitely one that, uh, that gets a laugh. But, um, but yeah, it's, you know, this whole sequence is kind of, you know, even the way when he first sees her, like we talked about a little earlier when she kind of looks sad and he looks, and he's kind of charmed a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. like there's definitely, you know, this kind of sets you up to really like him for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He handles the power differential well. You know, he's not, this is an opportunity to see, you know, how he's going to react. And he could be, you know, an immense pervert. And he chooses, you know, he indulges himself in a safe way. 
to the audience, you know, and just stops just short of like, okay, all right, you know, now, now we're, we're, we're past the, for, the forgivable part of this, you know? Yeah. Um, I also thought it was kind of interesting that Holden asked Kurt about like who Kurt's cousin bought the house from and Kurt doesn't answer him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a great like little hint at, towards where that's going later, and that you know this whole thing is a setup that they haven't really realized yet. Mm-hmm. That's a really subtle way to hint at that. Marty's line here is is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, that uh, you know, it was pioneer days, and people had to make their own interrogation. <laughs> classic Marty line. No, I was thinking he's going to say something else. <laughs> I was thinking he's going to say like they had to make their own two A mirrors or their own like pervert glass but interrogation rooms is so like weird and specific i really like it (laughs) it is it's one of the best lines of the whole movie for sure the only thing i noticed here that uh, may have nothing to do with anything but it's just one of those like because we're watching this one minute at a time is that holden is the only person in the group that's not wearing some sort of necklace Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you can't really quite tell what sort of necklace Kurt has on, but there is something around his neck. And I'm going to guess shark's tooth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Italian horn. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, it may come of nothing, but it was just a little thing I noticed. So Right, because there's like this hippie necklace that um, Marty has on. Yeah, I kind of remember being i remember a time when guys wore necklaces is that a thing that still happens harper you a necklace wearer uh not not since like middle school i don't think (laughs) it's been a while what kind of necklace were you wearing in middle school oh geez probably a shark tooth or something 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 equally lame that i bought like on (laughs) break or something i definitely remember growing up at the beach and having the guys wearing the puka shell necklaces for sure that was big yeah, if it wasn't that, it was something from uh, uh, the Renaissance Fair, which will totally out me as like a lifelong dork. <laughs> you and my husband both. <laughs> I probably had some kind of like pewter, like dragon claw holding a gem necklace nice. or something. <laughs> I did have two of those, by the way. So, you know, no shame here. This is a safe place. We're all the trustee. It's Okay. <laughs> Let your geek flag fly. <laughs> so, yeah. Anything else about this minute that you all want to mention? I don't think so. No, uh, we're just uh, we're just closing it out with Holden being a, a good guy and offering to switch rooms because she looked a little. Mm, I don't know about this. I don't know about being on the pervert glass side. So, yeah. The one thing I noticed here right at the end, just at the tail end at this minute was that he gives her this this kind of reassuring little sweet wink. And I thought, you know, I, I feel like I know what a wink is, but I think I'll just look it up. And, and I saw the words affection and a shared hidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I thought that those were interesting ways of describing what a wink is, that there's kind of a it's it's flirty, but there's also this like sweetness to his face. And then he's given her this little like shared knowledge. I feel like when I look at that wink that he is giving her this like, okay, we both know you'd feel safer if we switched rooms. And that feels like maybe it's not hidden knowledge, but that he's inferring that and that that he's got 
uh, emotional intelligence and um, that he's aware, you know, fairly self-aware and aware of like what would make a girl feel comfortable. So I don't know. I read a lot of good, good stuff out of that cute little link. <laughs> yeah, it works. It's another little, little piece of character building that, uh, yeah, I mean, this movie's full of really, really probably underrated performances. So yeah, that's another good example of, of, uh, of, you know, just one of those kind of subtle things that I'm sure is not, you know, in the script, but definitely sells his character a lot more. Definitely. Yeah, because, I mean, there's plenty of winks out there that <laughs> have a hidden agenda or <laughs> seem real creepy, and this isn't one of them. <laughs> well, cool. Well, cool. <laughs> uh, we've been podcasting together too long. Dun, 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 dun. Transition time. We are closing this out. Awesome. Okay. So, well, it seems like it's about a natural time for us to wrap things up. So I think I'll wrap up minute 17. And, and uh, Harper, are you willing to come back for one more exciting minute? Yeah, I didn't mention it at the beginning, but I did lose an arm in between those two minutes. Oh, but no, no. Thankfully, you know, podcasting is it's pretty doable with one hand. So I think I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god let's hope and pray you don't lose another arm by the yeah, that time you kind of tricky <laughs> oh my god um that's reminding me of geek love a little bit just there's uh, some people working with the uh, uh, shorter appendages and flipper feet and all sorts of crazy stuff <laughs> but they do make it work <laughs> i have faith in you you could still do what you needed to do but let's hope it doesn't come to that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so you can find us um by now everybody probably knows but if you're just tuning in because you're following harper over from the thing minute we are at cabinminutecast.com and you can find everything there that can uh, you know all of our links that are to things that we find interesting and um you know how to to connect with us on social media and all that stuff and how to subscribe and, and all that jazz. And so um, can you remind everybody, Harper, where people can find you? Sure. So, yeah, you can find my minute uh, movie minute podcast at the thing minute.com. And um, you can also find me at geekrex.com where I do some movie reviews and, uh, and occasionally we, we put out a uh, podcast on movies and comics and all kinds of uh, geek culture stuff there as well. Sweet. And we'll make sure to share a link to that. And that's geek Rex, like, like, tyrannosaurus rex right it's like correct yeah yeah that's badass <laughs> geekrex.com cool cool well harper thank you again for coming on the show and uh come on back on friday and thank you all for tuning in to episode 17 and we will see you back at the cabin mm -hmm.